In a flash, fire burst from the center of the cloud and filled the sky with heat and a light as brilliant as the sun. What is it, father? asked Shem. It is not of natural origin. It is supernatural. And the powerful presence we feel is from God. Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max and Liz. This podcast is brought to you by Playful World Ministries. Max, Liz, and all the characters and adventures of the Epic Order of the Seven were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. On today's episode, we'll hear Chapter 37 from The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud. Plus, later in the podcast, we'll get inside the mind of our author, Miss Jenny, as she dealt with animals that came from far and wide. Well, let's jump into things, shall we? Here's Max and Liz. Hello. 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 <laughs> oh, that was fun. Aye, a bunny good effort, too. <laughs> uh, we figured doing a bunch of hellos would be a proper way to introduce today's leg of the adventure. We, oui, it is truly a big day and perhaps one of the most exciting chapters yet. Or one of the most nerve-wracking days ever, for at least old Noah and his family, then. Because he had a myriad of hello, hello, hellos to say, uh, starting today. Wait, he's got a what? A myriad of hellos to express. Huh? A plethora? Uh, multitude? Uh, I went real strong at math, Liz. Uh, a bunch of hellos? Ah, a bunch of hellos. Well, why didn't you say so, then? I did uh, several ways. Aye, but uh, you might be sticking with English words from now on, eh? Uh, those were in English. <laughs> <laughs> right, Liz. English. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> you got me on that one. <laughs> oh, we. Oui. Uh, anyway, let's head over to Noah and his family and, of course, the Ark. Uh, Monsieur Announcer? Uh, thanks, Liz. Uh, thanks a bunch. Chapter 37 Arriving Day Noah was up early this morning. He just couldn't sleep, with so much on his mind. God had spoken to Noah in Adam's cave last night, telling him that in seven days he would send a flood to wipe out every living creature on earth except for Noah, his family, and the animals that would come to enter the safety of the ark. God gave Noah instructions to get his family and the animals on board over the next week. The gravity of what God told Noah was overwhelming. Even though Noah had prepared for this event for a century, he still didn't feel mentally or emotionally ready for what was to come. How could he? It was a burden to carry such divine revelation of coming calamity. Only his family listened to his words as he told them of the Lord's pending action. He was burdened for the unbelievers. He was burdened for his family and the coming ordeal. He was burdened for the animals that would be in his care. He couldn't stand just sitting and thinking any longer. He decided to inspect the ark again. Noah slowly walked along the central corridor of the ark on the lower level. The first rays of sunlight poured in through the windows at the top of the ark. Beams of light and swirling dust filled the air. 
He could hardly believe that they had finally finished building and supplying this huge floating vessel. A century of his life was invested in this massive boat, and as he walked through the stalls, he found visual reminders of the passage of time. A wooden beam rising to the middle deck bore the marks of Noah's hammer from a bad day several decades ago. He had been working on the ark for forty long years and had grown weary. One day he became so tired and angry at the whole process that he hammered the wood over and over, venting his frustration and leaving deep indentations on the beam. Noah smiled as he remembered his talk with God that night. The Lord eased his mind that he wasn't crazy for building the ark. God also validated Noah's heart. Noah was a simple human with normal emotions, yet given a God-sized task. The ridicule he endured for building the ark, coupled with the seeming impossibility of his task, caused Noah to mentally and emotionally collapse. But after a few days of rest, Noah's perspective returned. His spirits were lifted, and he went back to work. Noah never let the ridicule bother him again after that day. Noah noticed artwork in one of the stalls where, as children, his sons painted pictures of the animals that would someday inhabit this floating zoo. Stick figure cows, horses, and chickens with happy faces were whimsically drawn. Noah smiled at the picture. He hoped the animals in his care would indeed be happy. He and his sons tried to consider every possible need the animals would have and a way to meet those needs. God had instructed Noah to outfit the ark with enough food for Noah's family and the animals. But how much was enough? Noah wasn't even sure how many animals would come, although he knew it would be thousands, based on the dimensions God had given him for the ark. And he had no idea how long they would be living aboard this floating box. All he knew to do was fill the supply rooms to capacity and trust God to provide the rest. His thoughts then turned to his family. How could they possibly be happy with what was going to happen? Everything they knew would be taken from them, and they would become animal caretakers for an unknown period of time. His family had sacrificed their lives to support Noah in this endeavor. Had he done the right thing by his family? All these questions circled in Noah's mind as he walked alone in the silence of the ark. Yet he knew, without a doubt, what God had told him to do. He knew that all the decisions he made were based on that reality alone. Then why was it so hard and painful to do as God asked? Noah knew the answer. Pain and hardship weren't part of God's original plan. Humankind's choice was the root of all pain, not God's. Noah looked around the ark. It was a true masterpiece of engineering. Each of the three decks rose 14 feet high and held 300 stalls of varying sizes. Multiple pens were stacked in some stalls for small creatures. The lower deck where Noah walked was designated for the large animals. They felt impressed to build an entire section of large stalls that were open to the deck above, making them 28 feet tall. Noah wondered what animal could possibly need that much space. The middle deck held supplies and would accommodate mid-sized animals, and the upper deck 
housed living quarters for Noah's family and all the birds. The stalls faced the central corridor with railings or full bars facing out and a walkway in front of the stalls. Noah's family would be able to see into all the stalls and the animals would also have a view of their ark neighbors. Ramps led from both sides of the central entry door on the middle level to the upper and lower decks. Lanterns were hung all along the central corridors to provide light, dim though it was. Shem had even rigged an irrigation system to provide slowly dripping water into barrels for each pen. He devised a holding tank topside for their water supply. Noah smiled as he thought of his sons. Each had contributed ideas for a system vital to making this floating habitat work. Shem provided ideas for water. Japheth provided ideas for how to best organize and feed the animals. Ham provided ideas for storage supply and how to efficiently clean the pens. Noah's special project was to provide a kitchen for his wife, Ada. How Ada loved to cook. Noah was determined that she have the comfort and haven of a cozy kitchen aboard the ark. He brought in stonemasons to construct her oven with a ventilation shaft up to the roof. He built her a huge pantry with shelves from floor to ceiling full of spices, dates, nuts, and cooking supplies. Noah also brought in massive stone jars filled with oil and grain. Noah surprised Ada the day they completed the kitchen. He had her cover her eyes as he led her to the upper deck. She was thrilled, as were the daughters-in-law. It gladdened Noah's heart to do this for his wife. He had asked so much of her, she deserved the best he could give her in return. All the stalls and pens were full of clean water and straw and awaited their occupants. Noah shook his head with a chuckle as he realized that the sound of silence he now experienced in the ark would end once those occupants arrived. It would be loud and it would smell. Thank goodness the Lord had instructed Noah to build those windows up above. Fresh air and sunlight were crucial for their survival. Yes, it was going to be a wild experience. There would never be a dull moment, that was for certain. The silence was broken when Noah heard Ham calling him from above decks. Father, hurry, come see what is happening. What is it, son? Noah asked as he looked up to the open windows. It's, it's moving, come, come see replied Ham excitedly. Noah made his way to the upper deck and opened the ark roof to join Ham. What is this all about? He asked as he stepped outside. Ham didn't reply, but pointed to the sky above them. A single cloud was swirling in the air, moving toward them. As Noah and Ham stared at the cloud, Shem and Japheth ran up the ark ramps and joined them to see what was happening. The white puffy cloud moved toward them, turning in circles until it was directly over the ark. Suddenly, the cloud split in two, with the top half swirling clockwise and the lower half swirling counterclockwise. There was energy in the cloud and a sense of power about it. In a flash, fire burst from the center of the cloud and filled the sky with heat and a light as brilliant as the sun. What is it? Father? asked Shem. He and the others stood mesmerized by the spectacle hovering above the ark. They didn't know whether to be afraid or to be in awe, 
whether to stay put or to run, but they couldn't run. The cloud had a magnetizing presence about it that kept them standing there, speechless. This is a sign from God. He spoke to me last night that the flood would come in seven days. I do not know what this, this fire cloud signifies, but it is not of natural origin. It is supernatural. And the powerful presence we feel is from God, replied Noah. He was not afraid, but his heart caught in his chest. What did this sign mean? Was it a blessing for the completed ark? Was it a warning of some kind? Noah half expected to hear God's voice come from the fire cloud, but it swirled silently in the sky, growing to cover the full length of the ark. The only response Noah could give was to fall down on his knees and worship the Lord. His sons joined him on their knees as Noah prayed, asking God's blessing and protection for the ark, his family, and the animals. It was a holy moment, and each of the men felt a surge of energy course through them as they knelt in the presence of God. Finally, Noah stood and turned his gaze from the fire cloud to the southern horizon. He squinted as he saw something he'd never before seen. Two massive animals were walking in his direction. They stood ten feet high on columnar legs and had a grayish-brown hide. Their ears were massive, looking like huge fans as they flapped back and forth. They had strange, elongated noses coming from their huge heads, and one of them had two long white tusks growing out of its face. Noah looked at his sons, puzzled looks on their faces, as they watched these two beasts head directly for the ark. Noah had spent much time in the cave, studying Adam's drawings of the animals. God had revealed the names of the animals to him, but Noah wondered if he could possibly remember them all. Noah had no sooner thought those words than he heard God speak to his mind, Elephants, Noah. They're elephants, remember? They are from the Far East. Noah felt relief. God would give him the knowledge he needed as this mysterious event unfolded. Noah turned to his sons and said, These animals are elephants. God has brought them to us. So, let's make ready to receive them. Look! Behind the elephants are two of the most beautiful birds I've ever seen, exclaimed Ham. And some sort of funny bull, too, added Japheth. Wait, there's also some kind of very tall goat, said Shem. There, walking slowly behind the elephants, was a pair of peacocks. Their iridescent green and gold feathers were ornamented with beautiful blue eye-like markings. The male peacock's long upper tail feathers were spread out in a glorious display of color as he stuck his blue head in the air. The female peahen was less colorful and showy, but beautiful nonetheless. Noah stood amazed at the beauty of these animals, struck with the wonder of God's variety. Peacocks, water buffaloes, and antelopes, thought Noah, as he smiled and led the way down the ark as the humans prepared to greet their first arriving passengers.
I really wish you would stop strutting like that, Raja. You're causing a scene, said Duke the Elephant as they walked the road leading to the fire cloud. Make a grand entrance, I always say, the proud peacock said as he continued to strut with feathers in full array, his chin held high. I think these people are bad. Just look at them. They've got evil written all over their faces, said Vihe, the antelope. Farada, just stick close to me, Vihe said to his young wife. The antelopes pressed close together as they walked past the staring crowd. The people of Noah's village could not believe what they were seeing. Where were these animals coming from, and where were they going? No one moved, terrified of the huge beast leading the way. They watched as the animals turned and headed in Noah's direction. Duke looked up to see the fire cloud in a stationary position over the ark. He had never seen the cloud appear so large. It was three times the size it had been on their long journey from India. The elephant grew excited as he realized they had arrived at their intended destination. This must be the place. Our long yatra is finally over, Duke said as his trunk reached over to hold the trunk of his wife, Farida. How wonderful! Finally! I'm so tired from our journey. I don't think my feet have ever been so sore, said Farida. Her warm, sweet eyes smiled back at Duke. What about those humans up ahead, Duke? Do you think they look okay? Asked Valerie, the female water buffalo, chewing her cud as she spoke. I hope they're not like the villagers. Those people were creepy. She and her husband, Jag, had six-foot-across horns that curved upward at the ends. Their traveling companions tried to steer clear of walking near them to avoid getting skewered. Duke looked at the humans and spotted an old man holding a staff surrounded by a small group of men and women. The big elephant immediately felt at ease. This was a good man he knew in his gut. He could tell by the man's eyes. Duke looked at the others gathered with him. Yes, they too looked like good, kind humans. There is nothing to fear here. The maker has called us to these humans because this is where the fire cloud is stopped. They look like good people. Be gentle and do as they say, instructed Duke. Everyone respected the wise elephant's opinions. Raja still kept his feathers fanned out to make a good impression. Noah and his family gently walked over to greet the animals, smiling and speaking in calm tones. Noah went up to Duke and looked him in the eye while gently patting the front of his long trunk. Welcome, my big friend. You must be tired. We have a place prepared for you and will take good care of you. Duke shared a look of agreement with Noah and touched the end of his trunk to Noah's shoulder to reassure him that he understood. Did you see that? It's as if he knows what I said, Noah remarked to his wife Ada, who laughed with joy for her husband. Ham called out, Look, there are more animals coming in the distance. I see a pair of black bears and a pair of birds flying above them. There are two huge brown beasts with funny-looking antlers that look like rakes. Wait, it looks like they are each carrying a small brown animal in their antlers, and there's two black and white striped animals walking behind all of them, added Japheth. 
Noah ran over to have a look. Sure enough, here came another group of foreign animals headed straight for the ark. God once again reminded him about these animals from a cold northern land. Noah's pulse raced with excitement. Things were happening quickly. He looked up at the fire cloud. Of course, this must be the beacon that the animals followed to reach the ark. It was a sign for the animals. Now he understood. Everyone look lively. This is going to be a long day, exclaimed Noah. Ada felt overwhelmed with what was happening, but happy in her heart for Noah. The word from God to Noah had been true. All the years of building and supplying the ark were complete. What God said he would do was finally taking place. The animals were coming to Noah just as he said they would. And here, Ada knew, they would be safe from what was about to come. <laughs> All them animals, and that were just the beginning. Oui, it seems our Canadian friends are just about to arrive. Oh, and don't forget, there are still so many others from all over the world. Places Noah may not have even known about. Huh, I never thought of that. Besides, building a huge boat for the last hundred years, he probably didn't travel much anyway. <laughs> but uh, in our modern times, we know of such places. Eh? And that brings us to our question for Miss Jenny. Aye, so we'll head over to Jenny's corner and ask. I've got a question, Miss Jenny. And what might that be? Uh, tell us how you dealt with realizing that animals lived all over the world. When I started looking at what animals could possibly have been on the ark, well, it was all of them, right? <laughs> and so I actually pulled out a world map and I mounted it on foam core and I took my little animal figurines, I collected over a hundred of them, and I placed them around to see where they were coming from, how far they would have to travel, and how they would travel. And looking at that, it was pretty amazing. If you think, well, if they're species that are in America, indeed, they had to travel a long way. Well, Miss Jenny, I have to say that the way you handled the animals crossing the sea was très brillant. Aye, I'll second that. Uh, getting Cranin and Bethu to scout things out, and then getting Craddock and his whale beastie friends to be the transport system. Ha! <laughs> you be a clever lass, Miss Jenny. Thanks for all of that. Great answers, great questions. And we'd like to hear your questions, too. If you haven't had a chance to ask Jenny a question and you're just dying to do so, well, we'd like to help you out. Get in touch with her by email at jenny at epicorderoftheseven.com or record onto your phone an audio message, and who knows, we might even be able to get your voice on one of our podcasts. How cool would that be? Again, just reach out to Jenny at her email, jenny, J-E-N-N-Y, at epicorderoftheseven, all one word, epicorderoftheseven.com. That's jenny at epicorderoftheseven.com. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, on our next episode, there are still many more animals yet to arrive. Right, Monsieur Denis? Uh, we, oui, mademoiselle. <laughs> In our next episode, a great gathering of animals have been arriving from all over the world, and the people of Noah's town can't help but notice. And how they respond to all of it? 
is really quite amazing. And we find one particular animal who is struggling to even survive the trip. Huh. You don't want to miss it. Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, and the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud was written by Jenny L. Cody. To purchase your copy of the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud on audiobook, log on to audible.com. And for all the amazing books by Jenny L. Cody, the entire collection of the Epic Order of the Seven, log on to Jenny's website, www.epicorderofthe7.com. That's epicorderofthe7.com. See you next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thanks for joining us.